Habakkuk chapter 2 tonight. We're just going to cover three verses. Well, we're going to look at more than that, but... Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's catch up on where we're at in this great book of Habakkuk. Remember that the purpose of this revelation from God to Habakkuk is to build into us a high-altitude faith, a faith that can travel through and over the most difficult terrain. He says that in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 19. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. That's what this book is all about. Building in us a faith that can exist at the mountaintop, at the high altitudes of life. And so through this book, we are seeing how God does it. Now the first chapter we saw where Habakkuk was in wonder. (laughs) He was in wonder because he kept looking at the spiritual condition of Judah... And he couldn't understand why God wasn't doing anything. And God comes to him and says, well, Habakkuk, you're looking too small. Look at the nations. And I'm getting ready to raise up and empower the Babylonians to actually come in and be my instrument of judgment against the nation of Judah. And Habakkuk goes, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And so we see here where Habakkuk is perplexed. He, he is struggling with with how God is moving and all of that, and he is in wonder. And we saw that one of the sort of building blocks of high-altitude faith is being able to follow a God that we don't always understand. And hopefully we're getting there, that we're improving on that every day of our lives, where we might not understand God, but we're willing to follow him because we understand that we're never going to be able to totally understand the mind of God and the ways of God. Always going to be above us, if you will. Then, last week we saw that Habakkuk started with worship, so he went from wonder to worship. And then after worship, he went to wrestling with God over his decision about the Babylonians being his instrument. He says, isn't the cure worse than the sickness? Isn't this group of people that you're raising up and empowering and allowing to, to, to come in and, and take us over... Aren't they worse than we are? I I don't get it. And so he's wrestling with God. And remember we said that the name Habakkuk even means to grab a hold or lay hold of God. And that's one of the other great lessons we learn here is that when you and I are developing faith, one of the things we can't do is let go of God. We've got to stay a hold of God even in those times where we are perplexed, where we are wondering what's going on, where we are astonished, where we are bewildered. And where even God's not making any sense, maybe, to us. And we don't understand the way of God. And we saw last week where that's important that we learn to wrestle with God at times. Especially over His ways. It's okay to wrestle with God. He wants us to wrestle with Him. Because it's in wrestling with Him through these things that we actually grow stronger. And develop our faith. If we just throw up our hands and go, I'm never going to understand it. Or um, God will never, you know, reveal anything more to me. And this is not of no benefit for me at all to go through this with God and wrestle with Him over this. Then we miss out on so much that God has for us. And then we saw at the end last week 
where Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand at my watch post and I'm going to wait on a response from God. So we, he went from wondering to worshiping to wrestling and then to watching and waiting. And that's part of the development of this high-altitude faith as well. We have got to learn to watch and wait on the Lord. He will respond. He will answer. He will come back to us at some point and give us further insight, but maybe not in our time. It will be in His time. And maybe it will not be as quickly of an, as quick as, of an answer as we would like, but again, part of his purpose in this is to develop in us a high-altitude faith. And part of that comes with us waiting and watching. And we talked about the fact that that just meant we've got to stay true to our God-given responsibilities that he's given to us and just watch and wait. And that's what Habakkuk was doing at the end last week. Maybe that's where some of you are today. You're still watching and waiting. But tonight, we're actually going to see the Lord's answer. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the importance of this revelation that Habakkuk gets from God, the certainty of the revelation that God that Habakkuk gets from God, the responses to this revelation, and then the content of the revelation itself. Then next week, we'll get back to the content and we'll zero in a little bit more and put that content under a microscope and little bit, look at it a little bit closer. Well, first of all, let's look at chapter 2, verse 2, as we see again that Habakkuk has been on his watch post and he's watching and waiting, and now the Bible says in Habakkuk 2, 2, the Lord responded. Don't miss that. that that's important. It literally means that the Lord paid attention and graciously answered Habakkuk. See, God doesn't have to answer. God doesn't have to respond. But God does and will in His time. Remember even Sunday we talked about the fact that in the book of Hebrews that God is a God that wants to communicate, that wants to speak to us. And He's always communicating and He's always wanting to speak to us and and reveal more of himself to us. But we've got to be in a position and a place where we're ready for it, where we can benefit from it. And that's what you see happening here. He's honoring Habakkuk by Habakkuk being willing to stand at his watch post and watch and wait. And in God's perfect time, the Lord responded. See, I believe that if we do our part, we stand at our watch post and we are faithful that in God's perfect timing, he'll give us an answer. Now, it may not be the answer that we want. The answer that Habakkuk is getting here is the same answer that he got in chapter 1. God's still going to raise up the Babylonians and bring them in as his instrument of judgment. But he's going to give Habakkuk a little bit more insight so that Habakkuk's mind can sort of be settled on, okay, I, I may not still like it, but God, I, I'm understanding a little bit more about why this is all happening. So notice the importance of this revelation when the Lord says, and by the way, this is the word of God. Habakkuk's 
letter here or message is divine revelation. It is God speaking. And the Lord responded, Habakkuk, I want you to write down this message. I want you to record it. I want you to put it in writing because this message that I'm giving you is not just going to be for you. It's going to be for all of Judah. And guess what? Thousands of years from now, there's going to be a group of people sitting at a Bible study in a, in a, in a school cafeteria, and they're going to need to hear this message too. You see? So that's why he had Habakkuk write it down so that people down through history, could benefit from what God answered Habakkuk. He says to record it legibly on tablets. It means to make it distinct, to make it plain, make it clear. Habakkuk, don't don't take what I'm telling you and complicate it. Keep it simple, Habakkuk. And notice something very interesting about that. That gives us some insight into the inspiration of Scripture. How God did not dictate his word. He didn't come to, like the prophets or even people in the New Testament. He says, okay, Paul, write the, now write the Lord. And he didn't give them the exact words. He gave them his word. And then they used their own personality their own language, their, their own vocabulary to be able to capture the Word of God. Now listen, God's Spirit oversaw all of that so that what we get was exactly what God wanted. But in an amazing way, He used the individuals themselves. So it was up to Habakkuk to take the Word, the message that God was giving him, and then, don't mess it up, Habakkuk. Keep it simple. Keep it clear. Keep it plain so that everybody can understand it, even a child. It's a shame when Christians complicate the Word of God and make the message of the Bible more difficult than it has to be because God never intended for the Bible to be so difficult that people could not understand it. And Habakkuk has that responsibility. And then God says, so that the one who announces it or reads it may read it easily. Literally in the Hebrew may be helped by it, and so that it may be helpful to others as well. Whoever reads it. It's almost like God is saying to Habakkuk, I want you to take my message, I want you to put it on the biggest billboard you can, so that as people run by even, they can see it. Keep the message plain, keep it clear, keep it simple, so that anyone who's interested in what I've got to say can benefit from it. That's the importance of this revelation. Now, I want to share something here at this point because God led me to say this tonight, so this must be for somebody in here, at least one person. I want to go back to the words that God said to Habakkuk. Write it down. God may be speaking to some of you even here tonight about a writing ministry. God came to me several years ago and said, Jeff, I want you to write a couple books. And so I did. I didn't really want to do it, but at the time I didn't. But I understand now why God led me to do that. Maybe God wants you to write something. Maybe God wants you to write poetry, poems, 
My mother's written poetry all her life, and she has a nice collection there in her house of poetry that, in a sense, her and God have done together. God may be wanting some of you to write songs. And God, every once in a while, will inspire us or lead us to write down things, not just for our benefit, but as Habakkuk's message was, so that it will be helpful and beneficial to others. Write it down. And the reason I say that is because many of you know this already, that when we incorporated the church, we did not just incorporate the church as the Oasis Church. We incorporated it as Shama Ministries, with the Oasis being an arm underneath a bigger umbrella. And the reason we did that was because we really believed that at some time down the road that our ministry would encompass more than just this local church. And one of the things God has been impressing upon me these last couple years is maybe one of the arms of our church one day will be our own publishing arm, where we can have a publishing uh, production in, in... as part of our ministry where people in our church that want to write songs and write curriculum and write poetry and write books and all of that, that we can do that so that, again, part of our church's ministry will be to write down things that God gives to us so that others can benefit. If God is leading you to write down things, and maybe for you, maybe it's just keeping a journal of some type, a, a a spiritual notebook. And I know many of you, you take notes when I speak. And then you go back and you refer to those. That even might be what God is leading you to do. But one of the reasons why God leads us to write down things is so that we can go back and reference them. Because many times go, oh, I'll remember that. Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less I remember. I almost have to get to the point now where if God gives me something, no matter what time it is, even if it's in the middle of the night, I've got to get up and write it down. Because if I don't, by morning, I've, I've lost it. It's important that we learn when God we, is clearly speaking to us to write down things. Because part of why we were writing those things down is because we're saying, that's important to me, and I want to go back And I want to refer to that over and over and over again. That's why God had his word written down for us. So that at any time of the day, we could go back and we could refer to it. And that's what God said to Habakkuk. Write it down. Then notice the certainty of the revelation that God gives. Verse 3. God says, my own reputation is going to be on the line because the message is a witness to what is decreed. In other words, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do ahead of time so that when it happens, it's just another confirmation that I'm God. That I alone know what the future holds and I can predict ahead of time what's going to happen because first of all, not only do I know what's going to happen, I can bring it about. I have the knowledge, the wisdom, and the power to bring all this about. I'm the only one that can raise up the Babylonians and bring them into Judah and all of that. So I'm going to tell you all ahead of time so that it's just another confirmation. It's another witness. It testifies to who I am as God. And then he says, it will give reliable testimony about how matters will turn out. In the Hebrew, 
It literally means it will not lie, disappoint, or fail. Speaking of divine revelation. It will not lie, disappoint, or fail. God never fails. God never lies. What God says will never disappoint in the sense of it won't happen the way God said. Many times you and I are disappointed in life because the promises and and the pledges and all of that of people, they don't ever follow through or follow up with and they don't ever, you know, it, it never happens the way they say it. God is saying that will never happen with me. I am God. I cannot lie. So when I tell you something, you won't be disappointed because it will happen exactly as I say I cannot fail and my word cannot fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but the word of God will never pass away. And that's what God is saying to Habakkuk. He's saying you can be certain of my word. It will provide you a great foundation and stability for your life. And remember, we said that one of the aspects of of that high altitude faith is he says, it gives me the agility of a deer and enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain, Habakkuk 3.19. And we talked about how that means to be sure-footed and stable. How much more sure-footed and stable can a person be than basing our life on the sure word of God? That is absolutely certain. Then he goes, and here's the tough part for us. Even if the message is not fulfilled right away, wait patiently. And the words wait patiently literally mean to adhere to it. It sort of ties in with, again, the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, lay hold of me. Grab hold of me and don't let go. God is saying to Habakkuk, wait for it. Adhere to it. Glue yourself to my word. Because it will come true, but not maybe right away. I mean, think of Noah. God gave Noah the revelation. Noah, I want you to go and preach to these people and warn them of the coming flood of judgment. Most did not believe. And it took 120 years while Noah built the ark and then finally the judgment came. It didn't come right away. And many times the Bible says when God doesn't bring it about right away, then we think, oh, can't trust God. And God is saying to even his prophet, don't freak out if this fulfillment doesn't happen right away. I've got my own timetable that I'm working on. Just adhere to it, believe in it, it will happen. Because he says, it will certainly come to pass, it will not arrive late. The end of verse 3. God is never early. We know that. He's never early. But he's also never late. His word is always fulfilled in the perfect time. Even the New Testament says about the coming of Jesus at Bethlehem. That when the fullness of time had come, Galatians chapter 4, the Lord came in Bethlehem. In God's perfect timing. So sometimes 
Again, this high-altitude faith that God's trying to build into us is where He gets us to adhere to His Word and to His character, knowing that will come to pass, but maybe it won't be fulfilled as soon as I want it to be. In fact, keep your finger there in the book of Habakkuk. You can go back to an amazing verse in the book of Hebrews. You know I was going to get there tonight, didn't you? Had to do something in Hebrews. Let me find it here. My fingers don't even work as good as they used to. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 39, the very last, and this is that chapter on faith, right? He's talking here about all these basically martyrs who had been promised things and they died. And here's what the Word of God says in verse 39 of Hebrews 11. And these all were commended for their faith, yet, yet, they did not receive in their lifetime what was promised. Wow! That really takes faith. In other words, what God is saying is, the promises that I gave to them, they weren't fulfilled in their lifetime. Just like many of the promises God gave to the prophets and to the people in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, they all died before the Messiah actually came, but they were supposed to live their lives as if it was going to happen. Just like... You know, maybe for us, like we know the promise of the rapture, but maybe we will die before the rapture happens. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be living in light of it, the coming of the Lord at any time. So what God wants to build into us is this high altitude faith where we live by his promises, even if his promises are not fulfilled in our lifetime, even if we go through our whole life and they're never fulfilled. That doesn't mean they're not true and that they're not going to happen. It just means they haven't happened in that timetable that is just right in God's perfect plan. Might not be in my plan, but it's in God's plan. And that's what God was trying to build into Habakkuk, if you go back then to Habakkuk chapter 2. So we see the importance of the revelation, the certainty of the revelation. Now I want you to see in verse 4 the responses to the revelation. In verse 4, God says, look, the one whose desires are not upright will faint from exhaustion. I love the way the Net Bible translates this from the Hebrew. I think they nailed it, this verse. First, I want you to see what God is saying here is, those that don't believe my word, those that don't have faith, that are faithless, if you will, that are not aligning their lives with me, then they're going to pursue other things in their life. They're going to say, I don't believe God. I don't believe what God has said. I'm going to live my life the way I want to, and I'm going to pursue the things that I want to. And God is saying to them, you can pursue those things all day long. You will never find true fulfillment. You will never find true satisfaction. You will exhaust yourself to try to find that meaning and purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction that only by faith in me you can find. So go for it, God says. Exhaust yourself. You will literally run yourself into the ground as a human being trying to fulfill and satisfy apart from God. So that's one of the responses. Those that do not believe what God has said. But then he said, 
The other response is that the person of integrity, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. Or I love again the way the net translates this. The person of integrity, the one who's aligned rightly with God, will live because of his faithfulness. We're going to tell you why I think that that's a great translation of this. By the way, this message from God to Habakkuk is so important, it is repeated three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. It's in the book of Romans, it's in the book of Galatians, and yes, it's in the book of Hebrews. Three different times this message is in the Bible. The just or the righteous or the person of integrity will live by faith or live by his faithfulness. Now let me tell you why I like the way the net translates this. Because there's more than just one aspect of faith, if you will, that's being communicated by God here. Let's start, first of all, with the fact and the truth that God is faithful. That's already been established when God says, what I'm going to tell you is certain, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, it's dependable. I can't lie, you won't be disappointed, I can't fail you, my word can't fail you, so God is faithful, okay? So in response to that, God says, isn't the most logical response that you then put your faith, your trust, your confidence in me, a faithful God, one that will not lie, won't disappoint, won't fail you, everything I tell you is going to happen just as it's going to happen, isn't that the logical response that you live by faith, that you live trusting in me and in my word, that you walk by faith, not by sight? That's the second layer. But then the third layer is where the net gets to so that you can go back through all those layers. And that is this, that when you and I live by faith, guess what it produces in our life? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's what living by faith produces, a faithful life. That's why Jesus said, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. God is looking for faithfulness in His people. How do we be faithful and become faithful? By faith. And here's why that's true. Because the word live here in verse 4 of Habakkuk chapter 2 means to be sustained. To keep up with the demands of life. That's what the word means. How do you and I keep up with the demands of life? We keep up with it because of our faithfulness. And how do we become faithful? By placing our faith in God who is faithful. By the way, the word faithful here or faithfulness in the Net Bible in Habakkuk 2.4 means to be steady and stable. See, God is saying, here's how you meet the demands of life. Here's how you negotiate the rugged terrain. You've got to develop a steadiness, a stability, a faithfulness in your life. How do we do that? By trusting in me and by just developing a lifestyle of faith. So the more I trust God, the more faithful I am. And that all goes back to the fact that God ultimately is faithful. So that's where it starts. Three things in this one little phrase out of Habakkuk 2.4. God is faithful, therefore I can place my faith or trust or confidence in Him, and the more I do that, the more I become faithful, steady, stable, able to rest in God and be settled in Him, you see. 
That's what faithfulness is all about. That's what God wants to build into our lives. And when we are faithful, then we are able to have the agility of the deer and negotiate the rugged terrain. Well, in closing tonight, I want you to begin to see, and like I said, we're going to come back here next week, and we're going to put a microscope on these verses, beginning in chapter 2, verse 5, all the way through chapter 2, verse 20, all right? And we're going to divide these verses up for the next several weeks. But I want you to see the overall content of the revelation in verses 5 through 20 tonight, when God basically says, Habakkuk, hopefully this will put your mind a little bit at ease of this whole me raising up the Babylonians. First of all, yes, they're going to be my instrument of judgment against Judah, but that doesn't mean that they're going to get away with anything. Basically, what God explains to Habakkuk, beginning in verse 5 of chapter 2, all the way through verse 20, is this. Yes, they're plundering you, but one day they're going to be plundered. Yes, they're exploiting you, but one day they're going to be exploited. Yes, one day they're shed or one day they're going to shed blood, but one day their blood is going to be shed. Yes, they are going to disgrace others, but one day they are going to be disgraced. And as I said, history bear, bore that out. Seventy years is all the Babylonians ruled the world. Seventy years, a very, very short amount of time. And you all know the story in the book of Daniel of the handwriting on the wall with Belshazzar. That even after God humbled his father Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar got lifted up in pride and God sent that handwriting on the wall and said to Belshazzar through the prophet Daniel, your kingdom is numbered. Your days are numbered. Now I'm going to bring in the Medes and the Persians because you have known all these things. You saw your own father humbled. You saw him give me glory. You saw me working in and through him and through my prophet Daniel and others that, that were carried into exile into Babylon. And yet you learned nothing from it, Belshazzar. And because you did not learn anything, I'm going to humble you. And I'm literally going to take everything away from you. Your kingdom will fall and you will have nothing. And that's exactly what happened. The Medes and the Persians then were raised up by God to come in and take over the great empire of Babylon, which is why in verse 6 of chapter 2, he even says all these nations will someday taunt him and ridicule him. He'll be the laughing stock, you see. It's all short-lived, God says. They're just going to be part of, of my plan and instrument in bringing my own people back to me. But here's what I wanted to leave you with. God also says, and this is one of, besides Habakkuk 3.19 and Habakkuk 2.4, this is the other really key verse in the entire book. It's, it's Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Notice what God says here in the midst of this, and we're going to look at this more closer in the coming weeks. God says to the prophet Habakkuk, the recognition of the Lord's sovereign majesty, His splendor, His glory, as the object of honor, reverence, and glorifying will fill the earth just as the waters fill up the sea. God says, here's what it's all about, Habakkuk. It's about the fact that this is all going to bring me glory. And one day, that's what this whole plan for the earth is all about. One day, all of the world, all of the universe is going to be filled up with my glory. That's my plan. 
And you and I as human beings can either be in on that and part of that. We can spend our lives here on earth trying to bring God glory and living our lives for His glory and promoting His glory on earth because one day God says it's going to happen. The whole earth is going to be filled with my glory. And he's telling Habakkuk, that's exactly why I've raised up the Babylonians. Because I'm going to be glorified through all of this. I'm going to be seen for who I really am through all of this. Both in my people and even in those that don't believe in me. I'm going to be seen for who I really am. That I rule. That I'm in control. That I'm the one who rules the universe. That I'm the one who has a predetermined plan about how things are going to go. And one day, all of the universe is going to recognize and acknowledge my glory. God says that's what this is all about. So rest in it, Habakkuk. Rest in it. Know that that's why I'm doing all this. It's for my glory. Now, in closing tonight, though, I want to go back just real quickly to chapter 2 and verse 4. For us tonight, I want you to, I want you to let these words linger tonight and into this next couple of days and through the weekend. The end of verse 4, the person of integrity will live because of his faithfulness. That's really the message that God has for us tonight. He's already established the fact in chapter 2 that he's faithful. So the only logical response is that we trust him because of his faithfulness. And when we learn to do that every day in our life, we build into our life a faithfulness so that we can meet the demands of life, so that we can negotiate the rugged terrain, so that we can have a steadiness and a stability to our lives that many do not have. Even many Christians today live what we would call roller coaster Christian lives. Man, when things are going good, they're up at the top of that, you know, and they're just happy and joyful. But man, when things aren't going good, they are way down. And they live the way up and way down. And God says, I don't want my... How does that display my glory? How do you as God's people display my glory when you're living like this? God says, you as my people display my glory and who I really am whenever you live a faithful, steady stable life. And don't get all, you know, upset about every little thing that's happening because you are trusting in me. And one day, God says, that trust will pay off because one day, the recognition of my glory and my sovereign majesty will fill the earth just as the waters fill to see. Maybe some of you right now, you're just, you're just having to trust. And you're just like, God, I don't know how much longer I can, I can grab a hold and cling on, but I'm just going to keep clinging. That's the message for you tonight. Just keep holding on to God. He will not disappoint you. And His answer 
may be coming very soon. Keep watching. Keep waiting until the Lord responds. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this encouraging book. Thousands of years ago, You answered Habakkuk. And yet, even today, we as Your people benefit from Your Word because it was written down. And God, maybe even here tonight, You may be leading some to begin writing things down so that not only they benefit, but one day others will benefit as well. God, continue to use this series in Habakkuk over these next five weeks to continue to build that high-altitude faith, that mountain-climbing faith into our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for being here. We'll see you next week.